The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Suffering's not the worst thing that can happen to you. It's actually, it can be a blessing. I still have trouble saying that because nobody wants suffering. We're not wishing for that. But boy, we sure want the fruit that God can bring in our lives in the midst of it. He reports on the persecuted church around the world. Coming up, you'll meet Todd Nettleton, the radio host of Voice of the Martyrs. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. Our conversation will get underway in just a moment. Another organization that is very much in the forefront of assisting the persecuted church is the Far East Broadcasting Company, who makes First Person possible. Millions of people tune into FEBC, many of them secretly, to hear God's Word taught every day. Please take a few minutes to learn more about FEBC by viewing videos online at febc.org. You'll be encouraged by what God is doing through radio and Internet programs to build His church around the world. Learn more at febc.org. And this program is found online as well. If you'd like to follow up on any guest you hear, we're found at firstpersoninterview.com. I enjoy meeting and talking with my colleagues in Christian radio, and although we've met before, Todd Nettleton and I had never really talked much about his ministry. But that changed when we sat down recently during the National Religious Broadcasters Conference in California. I am the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, which uh, basically I get to help persecuted Christians tell their stories uh, of their courage and faithfulness and ultimately God's courage and faithfulness in the midst of suffering and hardship and persecution. Does that mean you travel to some of these places to bring back reports yourself? Uh, yes, in some cases. The the one downside of being the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio is there's places I can't go anymore that I used to be able to go. <laughs> because of the visibility? Uh, because my face is more known and okay. more visible. And um, so I'm... I, I love to travel, and I love to go to places where you can meet somebody in their own environment. Right. Um, yeah. But there are places I can't go just because people know who I am. Yeah. Give me an example of a story recently that you present to your listeners so we, we get a better handle for those who don't get to hear your program, better handle on what you're doing. Well, let me share a story that we haven't actually broadcast yet, but I, I taped an interview just recently. I was in a country where I could meet with Iranian Christians uh, so they can't come here, and I can't go to Iran, but in this particular country, we could meet up and just heard some phenomenal stories of what God is doing in Iran. And uh, again, I, I love to say the full name of the country, the Islamic Republic of Iran. <laughs> this is the place in the world with the fastest growing church, according to Operation World. And I just heard story after story of God's amazing supernatural power. Uh, in one case, the, these two ladies, and I met them and recorded their story. They were witnessing to a young Iranian lady. They had met her once before, and they had arranged a second meeting. She wanted to know a little more. Well, between that first meeting and the second meeting, the Lord revealed to one of these ladies that this young lady had been molested as a child. Now, they hadn't talked about this. She didn't know, but God revealed that to her. And so when they had this second meeting, she was able to say, I know what happened to you. Oh, my goodness. And God was there. God loves you, and he wants to bring healing to that. And this lady, as I think you can completely understand, was like, 
how do you possibly know that? I've never told anybody that. But it just totally blew open the door for the mm. gospel and for God's love. And, you know, it's not like that's a one-off story. They, I just Story after story after story like that happening in Iran. Uh, and I love to be a part of sharing those stories and helping people understand, you know, even in the Islamic Republic of Iran, God's arm is not too short to work there, and he's doing amazing things. That's a great story. Um, we hear that persecution is on the rise in the world. You've been doing this for a few years now. Have you seen that personally? You know, it is on the rise in in some places. I think there are some places that are getting better, um, but it certainly is is getting worse in many places, and I think particularly of China. Yeah, I was thinking um, of that too. You know, five or ten years ago, we said, sure, there's persecution in China, it, it's a lot dependent on where you are. In, in this city, the local police might be very anti-church, mm-hmm. and you might have people getting arrested. But over here, they're worshiping without any problem. Right. What's happening today is that it is the national government that is enforcing this mandate that we're going to control religious expression. And we've heard stories just in the last couple months of the national government is actually sending out what I'll call trainers – to go and train the local police on how to crack down on the church, Isn't basically how to persecute Christians. Uh, and the the Christians that we talked to said, when we know that those guys from Beijing have come, we know it's about to get a lot worse for us. Yeah, uh, and and just story after story of what's happening in China is absolutely getting worse. Those are the reports I've been getting as well, and it's a national crackdown at this point, and many are suffering. As a result, and this is real persecution. I mean, this is this is jail time. This is uh, suffering consequences kind of per- persecution, isn't it? And one of the stories that we just heard within the last couple of weeks is they're incorporating the children into this persecution. So teachers are being told, yeah. "We want you to ask the students in your class." And these are students seven, eight, nine years old. Hmm. Do your parents have a Bible at your home? Do your parents gather together with other people to pray? Oh, they do? Well, when do they do that? Mm. How many people are in those gatherings? So they're literally trying to turn their seven, eight, nine-year-old kids into spies against their own parents. Um, You know, that's mind-boggling for us as Americans, but that's reality for China. And you think about, as a Christian parent, if if there's a possibility that my children are going to be asked to spy on me, and, and maybe they don't even know what they're being asked... How does that affect how we live out our faith at our house? How does that affect what I involve my children in uh, that protects me, but also, obviously, we want them to serve the Lord? How do we balance that? Uh, I think, you know, as a parent, like I say, I just I put myself in that shoes and just think, wow, Lord, give them wisdom as they're raising up their kids. Yeah. I want to talk more about that, but I want to ask you too, did you set out in life to be this kind of uh, reporter of uh, you know unveiling what's going on in the church around the world? Well, I majored in communications, and my career goal at that time was to write for Sports Illustrated. I just okay. thought that would be the greatest job ever, <laughs> uh, to write for Sports Illustrated. I actually got a job at a local paper as a sports writer, and I thought, you know, this is the first step. And I was covering high school and college and occasionally some pro sports. And uh, it was great for a while. In fact, I was a newlywed. And so my wife would go along and she would keep stats. Uh, and I, you know, we'd yeah. go together to the games. I was going to say, you got to go to games. We got to not, go to games. Nothing wrong with that, huh? Uh, and, and then we had a baby. And so working nights and weekends became time that I wasn't 
being a dad at home, mm-hmm. and it it pretty quickly got kind of frustrating to me. And yeah. I also realized at some level what a sport – and I have nothing against sports writers as I say this, but what a sports writer does is watch other people live their lives and then write about it. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of had this feeling like, you know, I want to live my life. I, I want to do something that that makes a difference. And so I, I went back to Oklahoma Wesleyan University, which is where I graduated from. I worked at the college for about four years. Uh, and then the Lord opened up a door for me to go and work at Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, I'm a missionary kid, so I have some of that in my background. And Yeah, so where did you grow up? I grew up mostly in Southern California, but when I was 12 years old, our family moved to Papua New Guinea, uh, and we lived there for four years. And then we came back to California, uh, and I finished high school, and then I went away to college. After I went to college, my parents were also in Africa uh, and in Guyana, South America, and in the Czech Republic. <laughs> so so they ministered in a lot of different environments, a lot of different situations. You have an international family. Very international family, yes. <laughs> How did you come to the Lord, Todd? What Was that a, a early decision in your life? It was a very early decision. You know, I mentioned I, at that time my dad was a pastor. So when the doors of the church were open, we were there. <laughs> and that meant uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, unlike a lot of church activity now, which is more limited. But when the doors were open, we were there. And so I heard the message from a very, very young age. I don't remember, you know, not going to church. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and, you know, as as I think many kids who grow up in that environment do, I asked Jesus into my heart multiple times <laughs> because I would I would recognize that I had sinned and I would ask Jesus into my heart. And then at some point down the road, I'd recognize, wow, I, I, I'm sinning again. I got to do this again. Um, the time when it really became my faith was when I went away to college. Uh, and it wasn't anymore, you have to go to church on Sunday because you're the pastor's kid and we're all going. Uh, it was, okay, now it's my decision. Yeah. What are I my can, values and what do I believe? Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's when it really grabbed a hold of me. And I remember a spiritual emphasis week when I was in college and, and just the Lord really kind of sealing the deal that, okay, this is my decision. It's not my parents' decision. And it's a decision for life. Yeah. Uh, I'm all the way in, yeah. you know, whatever it takes. And so that was where it really kind of took hold for me. We'll continue to get to know Todd Nettleton, the radio host of Voice of the Martyrs, coming up in a moment on First Person. I decided to escape North Korea after listening to FEBC's broadcast. I was able to keep my faith firm by listening to your programs. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. My guest is Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. Todd is a radio host. How many stations is your program on, Todd? We are now up to 983, I wow. think is our last count. So I, I'm kind of hopeful soon we'll be over 1,000. Okay. Tell me about Voice of the Martyrs, though, as an organization. Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry to persecuted Christians. And uh, we, in 2017, we celebrated our 50th anniversary. So we've been doing this a long time. Uh, one of the unique things about Voice of the Martyrs is our founder, Pastor Richard Wormbrand, was a persecuted Christian. Yeah, uh, He spent 14 years in prison in Romania. His wife, Sabina, spent three years in prison, including many, many months 
in a labor camp helping to build the Danube Canal. No, I did not know that part of the story. I knew about Richard, but not his wife. So they both spent time in prison. And when he came out of Romania, he was actually ransomed out. The going rate for a political prisoner at that time was $1,500. The price for Wormbrand was $10,000. So he was really seen as a a high-value prisoner. Yeah. What's the time frame here? That would have been 1964, I believe, was when they were ransomed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 67, they founded Voice of the Martyrs. So as he was leaving Romania, the secret police took him aside and, and said, Pastor Wormbrand, you're going to the West. You can talk about God all you want. You can talk about the Bible all you want. You can preach whatever you want. That's great. Don't talk about what we did to you. Oh. Uh, don't don't talk about the torture. Don't talk about solitary confinement. Don't talk about what the secret police yeah, but do. But what hold did they have on him at that well, point? Well, they said, we'll find you. Uh, huh. we, we, you're not out of our reach, even if you're in the West. Pastor Wormbrand came to the U.S. and did exactly what they told him not to do. Uh, he talked about the prison. He talked about the suffering. But more than just telling his own story, he said, there are still pastors in those solitary confinement cells. There are still Christians in those prisons. And the natural response of an American Christian like me or you is, okay, well, how do we help them? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really how the Voice of the Martyrs started was, how do we help them? The organization serves as a bridge between the church in the U.S. and the church in hostile and restricted nations. And today that's that's more than 60 countries uh, where we're delivering Bibles, we're giving persecution response, we're helping the church that's still being persecuted yeah, today. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. It's not just reporting on what's happening. That's your aspect of, right. of, of Voice of the Martyrs, but there's a there's a whole helps ministry going on. Uh, detail that more for me. You're absolutely right, and I'm one small part of a much larger ministry, but our international staff is is connected to local believers in all of these countries, and their denominational leaders or, or church leaders or whoever, so that we can hear. When a pastor gets arrested, typically we'll hear about it most of the time within 24 hours. Hey, brother so-and-so just got arrested. Here's what the needs are. Was he able to get a lawyer? Is his country where a lawyer is going to help him? Is his family still going to be able to eat while he's in prison? Are his kids still going to be able to go to school while he's in prison? Uh, and so we're able to kind of help back. And one of the things I love about Voice of the Martyrs is oftentimes in that country, that pastor's family, they never hear anything about Voice of the Martyrs. They just hear, hey, Christians have helped. Christians have given to help meet your needs. Here's what you need. You know, keep paying your kids' school fees. Keep putting food on your table. The body of Christ has has helped you, and but so that, that requires a network. It does. Uh, how, how do you? I mean, without telling things you can't tell, <laughs> uh, how do you do that? Through those local contacts, you know, we have a, a staff member who oversees each of those countries, and their job is to know the church in that country. Who are the people of influence? Who are the leaders? Who uh, are the people that we can work through? Who can help? get funds to a pastor like that. Um, So that's their job is to know that. And each country is unique. Uh, In some countries, you can wire transfer money in. 
uh, in other countries, boy, yeah. that, that's problematic. A wire transfer is, is, can be known by the government right, and exactly. is known by the government. So, so, so the, you know, each country is unique. Each situation is unique. And their job is to know, okay, how do we help? And also to develop the context so that we can hear about persecution when it happens and then get help back to yeah. those who are being persecuted. We live in interesting times, don't we? The, because uh, we've seen uh, persecution, then we saw the fall of the Soviet Union, for instance, and now we're seeing persecution rise again. I mean, there was freedom, and now there's persecution again. Uh, that's that's quite a cycle. It is a very interesting cycle, and it's what it often comes down to is control. And I think we talked about China earlier, and just the, the communist Government wants to control the people. Yeah, anytime there's a gathering of people, that's a concern yeah, for them. Yeah, it's a concern. And, you know, I, I had a Chinese believer tell me one time as I was visiting there was the government doesn't care if you're a Christian as long as you're a communist first. Mm-hmm. You know, if your first loyalty is to the Communist Party, then after that you can do whatever you want. Right. What they're concerned about is as Christians, our call is our first loyalty is supposed to be to Christ. Well, the, the Communist Party can't have that. That, that doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you see, and we see it in Russia now, the, the rise of a government that wants to control the people. And like you say, it is, it's an odd cycle to go from totally restricted to mostly free and now heading back in the restricted direction. Right. You mentioned Iran earlier. What about other Muslim countries? Are, are you actively tracking what's going on and able to help there? We are able to help. We have provided literally millions of dollars to Christians uh, from Iraq and Syria as they have been displaced by ISIS over the last number of years. But there's also good news in those stories. And I I interviewed a pastor from Iraq, and uh, he told the story of having a lady come in to see him, a young lady. She was fully veiled. Uh, if you saw her walking down the street, you'd say, that is a devout Muslim woman. And she came and talked to this pastor and said, well, I want to be baptized. And he's like, well, what? You've never been in my church before. Now you just come in the door and say you want to be baptized. And so he's thinking, you know, she doesn't really know what she's asking. Well, as they have this conversation, it turns out that she's gotten a hold of a Bible. She's actually memorized large chunks of the New Testament. She knew exactly what she was asking for, and she was 100% committed. I want to be baptized, which in that world is the the no return point. Yeah, families of, will disown yes, them. Yeah, or worse. Yeah, yeah <laughs> disown right. if you're lucky. Right. Uh, and, and so that's what's happening. And we talked about the growth of the church in Iran. We're seeing a little bit of that now in the Sunni Muslim world. And as ISIS and others like them have risen up, Sunni Muslims look at that and say, if that's what it means to be a Muslim, hmm. I'm not sure I want to be one. Mm-hmm. What are the other choices? And so the gospel is is finding fertile soil in those hearts, and it's you know it's something that you would look at. You look at ISIS and think that's terrible. How could God possibly bring any good out of that? He's doing it. He's he's bringing good out of it. Do you get involved in Bible distribution? We do. We deliver Bibles in almost every single country where Christians are persecuted, and it is. We some of often, them secretly, obviously. Yes, very secretly. Uh, in some cases, we're able to deliver digitally. Uh, and I think of like Somalia. We're delivering memory chips that go in your phone mm-hmm. because if you're carrying a paper Bible down the street, yeah, you're probably right. going to die before the sun goes down. And everybody has a smartphone. But everybody has a phone. Uh, so you can carry your phone down the street and nobody thinks twice about it. So 
in some countries, that's a great way to do it. We have some online distribution that's happening, uh, but a lot of people, they they want, just like we do, they want to have a paper Bible too. And so uh, it is one of the great blessings of VOM work to be able to hand somebody a Bible. Todd, how has working with VOM, Voice of the Martyrs, personally affected you? You you hear these stories. I mean, do you get insulated about this? It's just another daily story, or is there a personal impact here? One of the things that has impacted me the most is the stories of the Bible. Uh, and I was not as, uh, <laughs> let me say this in a good way, I was not as committed to daily scripture reading when I started at VOM as I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have seen the difference that the scriptures make. And I've seen those people who prayed for years to have a Bible. Uh, and here I have one, but if I don't open it, I might as well not have one. Uh, and so one of the things that has really changed in our family is we try to read through the Bible every year. Uh, right now, my wife and I are actually listening to it, typically as we get ready in the morning or as we have our breakfast. Uh, we're using an audio Bible. And just making that a part of our daily life. And I have seen such a difference in my own heart and in my own life just by putting God's Word in every day. Uh, and so I would encourage, that's that's become one of my sort of soapbox things is, hey, American Christian, you have freedom to read the Bible, but if you're not doing it, you might as well live in China where you don't have that freedom. Um, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. So that's one that's been very, very practical the other thing I think of is just the the fact that God ministers in hard times. Uh, I have had people, and last year I interviewed a pastor named Pastor Hassan who was imprisoned in Sudan, and many of the nights in prison he had to sleep on the floor, and he said he would he would lay on the floor in the middle of the night and he would weep, and I was like, man, so you missed your family? You know, you were pretty miserable. He said, no, no, no. God was just so close and so real to me that I would just weep tears of joy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't see Todd Nettleton in prison weeping tears of joy. I see him saying, God, how did how could you let this happen? Why have you forgotten me? Send the Marines. Um, that sense of, of just seeing up close how God works in the midst of what we would call horrible situations. And yet God's presence is so real. And I have... I've had multiple Christians tell me, I sometimes miss being in prison because God was so close to me there. He was so real to me there. Uh, And that's mind-blowing to me. Um, But the thing that that we need to understand is God's just as real in America as he is in Sudan. We have access to the same God. We just don't always take advantage of it. And somehow that suffering sort of strips away all the stuff and it just is you and God, and there's amazing things that happen there. So I think just an understanding that suffering is not the worst thing that can happen to you. It's actually, it can be a blessing to suffer, uh, which is, I, I still I still have trouble saying that because nobody wants suffering. We're not wishing for that. But boy, we sure want the fruit that God can bring in our lives in the midst of it. That's an important lesson to try and understand, and I appreciate Todd bringing it up in this first-person conversation. That's Todd Nettleton, the reporter and radio host for Voice of the Martyrs. You'll be able to learn more about Todd and VOM when you visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. With so many millions of people suffering persecution in today's world, it's often hard to know how to respond. One way we can help is to make sure that the radio broadcasts and Internet programs offered by the Far East Broadcasting Company 
continue to voice the gospel in these countries. For instance, listeners in China and even North Korea are able to tune into FEBC, although they sometimes do so at a great personal danger. Take the time to learn more about this by visiting febc.org. Let's encourage the FEBC broadcasters with our prayers and support. Again, go to febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.